Hello, John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Stronger Die podcast. I'm at uh, CrossFit Morgantown today with Jeff Giosi. Uh, we're going to get to know him a little bit. How are you doing today, Jeff? Doing awesome, buddy. What about you? Pretty good. Um, so for our listeners out there that don't know you, um, let's get started with a little get to know you segment. Um, Love it. Tell us about the history of uh, Jeff Giosi. How far back do you want to go, buddy? <laughs> uh, well, well, let's let's stick with um, with uh, lifting. Where, where did we start? I think you started as a bodybuilder, right? Yeah. Uh, first time I walked into a gym, I was 13 years old, and where my love came from, true story. I saw Bloodsport when I was seven, and. <clears throat> Something about Jean-Claude Van Damme in that movie, I was like, it's, pre- it's pretty badass. I think I want to be that. <laughs> and then it was, the next link was Rocky Four. Seeing Sylvester Stallone when he took his robe off after his training montage to fight the Russian, I was like, I want to be that. Um, went into a gym when I was 13 years old. Luckily, the girl I was dating at the time Her sister's boyfriend was a bodybuilder. So my first exposure to lifting was what that meathead taught me. (laughs) And and that is why for 15 years I was a low bar squatter. (laughs) Made my deadlift super big. All right. Um, So you bodybuilded uh, for how long then, like competitively? Take, Take a step back from that. Even prior to that, I think I loved lifting because I loved the way it made me feel, but I don't think I was actually 100% completely, this is the greatest thing ever until college when I was an athlete. I ran track at WVU, so lifting in the WVU weight room with my then strength coach, Mike Barwitz, is really where my passion and love grew and deepened for just any aspect of lifting and training. And then after that, I was a bodybuilder. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So did you play any sports in high school? I did. I played football in the fall, and that's why I lifted initially when I was 13. Because I got cut from the basketball team. Basketball coach told me, Jeff, you're an athlete. You can probably be on the team. However, I think it'd be more beneficial if you lift for football. (laughs) (laughs) I think because I was already full grown at five foot six, he he saw the writing on the wall. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I played football in the fall. Uh, I played, I ran track in the winter because we had that up in in New York. And then I played baseball in the spring up until my junior year where where I ran track in the spring as well. Okay. So you had, you ran track in high school and that's what led you into the um, running track in college. Yep. And um, so... Do you think that um, the strength training helped with, with uh, track at all? No question. And I think it's one of the reasons I fell in love with strength conditioning and lifting even more so when I got to college. Because let's be honest, I'm five foot six. I'm from a small school in Long Island, New York. I had no business running Division One track. Nothing in my DNA, nothing in me should have led me to a Division I uh, track career. And I was all Big East my, my junior year in, in the decathlon. 
it was 100% because of lifting and training that I was able to perform the way that I, I was able to, and I knew that. And so I saw that direct link, and when we talk about speed, it's stride length and stride frequency. Stride length, we, we could adjust through training, and stride frequency, it was stride frequency we could adjust through training. So I knew that those two things made me faster. I saw the link, and I kept digging at that. Cool. And then, and then of course, force production plays yeah. <laughs> plays a role there as well. Um, one of my events was the 110 hurdles. So for everyone following along, the 110 hurdles when you're in college are 42 inches. I think I'm 46 inches tall. No. Um, <laughs> I'm from Middle Earth. I am a hobbit. I'm from the Shire. So 42 inches is roughly two inches below my chest. Okay. In a 110 meter sprint, I had to hurdle 10 of these. Average size of a decathlete is 6'2". I'm five foot six. You need to have the, string, the same stride pattern in between the hurdles to always have your lead leg be the left leg or the right leg and always have your tread leg be the same. To learn how to hurdle amelectricity <laughs> is almost impossible. Right. When I was a freshman, it was almost it, it was so, so challenging to get three steps in between the hurdles mm -hmm. because my stride length wasn't big enough because I couldn't develop the force and power. My sophomore year, I was able to do it with ease. My junior year, I was able to do it like a natural running stride. Just seeing that, just looking at that one event and seeing how much I was able to grow, not because I got taller, not because of X, Y, and Z, because my squat went from 355 to 500. Nice. <clears throat> so uh, what, what all did you do in track other than, did you just do hurdles or? I was a decathlete, which is 10 events in two days. Yeah. So it starts out the 100 meter sprint, which I loved, short, quick, over in about 11 seconds. Um, then it was long jump, high jump, shot put, and the end of the first day was the 400. Next day, you're on the track like 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was, I can only remember in order, uh, pole vault, javelin, discus, Oh, one ten hurdles, pole vault, javelin, discus, and then we ended with running the fifteen hundred. And it was always about twelve thirty, one o'clock, and it was nine million degrees on the track. It was beautiful. <laughs> so you did pole vault in all of those events. Yes, yes, that's, that's um, pretty awesome. Which, in a lot of ways, speaks a lot about my personality and why I own a CrossFit gym. Because some days I'm an Olympic lifter now. Some days I'm a strong man. Mm -hmm. Trying to be a strong man. Uh, some days I'm a gymnast. Days I combine all three of those aspects or all four of those aspects. Um, and it, I never wanted to get married to one way of training. When I was in college, I'd practice hurdles in the morning, come back at lunch, I'd be a sprinter. I'd come back in the evening and learn how to be a pole vaulter. I loved looking at all those. And then if we got a little deeper, third wave adaptation. Does, does being a better pole vaulter help me be a better sprinter. Well, I would say so. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a, a mentality that's lost uh, in, in the day and age of uh, specialization. Um, Absolutely. So I think I think that's pretty unique. Um, so after college, you did all that, um, mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, what was your degree in in college? What did you, uh, what was you headed for? My undergrad degree was in physical education teaching. Um, student taught, and it was phys ed and health too. Student taught, 
and it was right after that that I got offered a GA position mm-hmm. with the strength department. My master's degree is in athletic coaching education with emphasis in strength conditioning, and I took a lot of sport nutrition classes as well. Cool. And then, um, so did you start bodybuilding right after um, college athletics? And then you were a GA at that point, right? So you were doing GA and, and bodybuilding. Right. For me, I didn't know. After, I'd been an athlete since I was five years old, right? Since my mom brought me to t-ball practice the first time, I'd been an athlete. That's how I identified who I was and, and all of a sudden graduated college and you're no longer a structured athlete. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? And the events that we do now, strong, like they were around, but it wasn't as accessible maybe as it is now. So like you go to a Globo gym and, and I don't know, like you put your headphones in, what are you supposed to do? Uh, my strength coach at the time, Mike Barwitz, I, I approached him and I said, what can I do? Because I, I didn't want to be done. Yeah. Uh, I had that competitive mindset. He said, there's basically powerlifting and natural, emphasis on natural, bodybuilding. And to me, I was 23 years old, 24 years old. Interesting that I made this decision then. To me, it was about aesthetics. Yeah. And I saw bodybuilding, like, not only did I grow up looking at Jean-Claude Van Damme and Sylvester Stallone, there's also those, like, flex magazines, and, and you see those guys, and I think innately I always wanted to be that. So I went into bodybuilding. <clears throat> Not knowing that you're in the off season for 10 months out of the year. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to get out of breath walking up the stairs. But I did look, the way I equate it now is when I competed, I competed in four shows over the span of six or seven years. It was the idea of owning a Ferrari with no engine. Looks super awesome. Does, does no work. <laughs> I, I think, uh, and I might be wrong. Correct me if you remember. I think the first time I met you um, was in a in a weight room that we won't sure. we won't mention the name of. No, <laughs> the, the midnight lifting sessions. <laughs> yes, it, it, it must have been at midnight, and I was with um, uh, Jerry Handley, and we were walking down the stairs into this weight room. And I see, I, I see this guy who's alone, essentially, <laughs> squatting, and um, racks the bar and passes out, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or is at least immobile. Mm. <laughs> and I remember looking at Jerry and saying, is this guy okay? And he's like, it happens all the time or something. <laughs> and then mm. we go down and do some MMA type stuff, and I see this corpse come back to life, and throw up in a trash can and, and immediately go back and start squatting again. Yeah, absolutely. For what must have been a thousand reps. <laughs> Still recovering from that session. <laughs> and this carried on for some time. Mm-hmm. And then I think at the end of that, somehow you were still coherent enough to come over and say, mutter your name and <laughs> shake my hand. Oh, the good old days. And I think I remember some old school ephedra tea in the mix. Oh, yeah. That stuff was great. Yeah. You might still be able to get that. I don't know. (laughs) So so you did bodybuilding for about six years. Mm -hmm. And in that time, you were were actually employed by uh, 
WVU as a coach Correct. there. Yep. And uh, what teams? Um, I, I know you did basketball, right? Mm-hmm. What other teams did you work with? When I was a G, I like to say that in my tenure at WVU, I believe I worked with every team at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, my time with crew was cut short because when I was an intern, love this story. It was like my first day ever interning. And I think crew went at like 5 a.m. or 5.30 or something like that. I'm 19 years old, like trying to figure out what I want to do in my life. I may have been late. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I walked into the weight room. I believe the lift had already started. I was eight minutes late to the lift, which means that overall, I think I was supposed to be there 15 or 20 minutes ahead of time. So I was 23 to 30 minutes late, right? Walk in the weight room and my then boss, Mike Barwitz, um, proceeded to beat me up, choke me out, and threw me out in the hallway. And that was... <laughs> and told me to leave. Um, that was my first opportunity working with crew. And that, that was the only time I had worked with crew ever. Um, he hired me back the next day after being fired on a Monday and told me that I didn't have crew anymore. Um, but my primary teams throughout my time at at WVU were football. And then I, the, the, after I was a GA, an assistant position opened up and the assistant position by default was working with men, men and women basketball. So the shortest guy on staff worked with the tallest teams at the university. Yeah. That's it, good for you. Yeah, it, it wasn't because I had an, a, a love for basketball. The position was open. Yeah, yeah. But really what that led me to, and, and you can attest to this, and Jerry can attest to this, is basketball. I mean, there was a, a, a deep hurt in my heart after I got cut in eighth grade, um, and I held on to that. But when you work with athletes... In, in any sport, whether you love that sport or not, it actually turns into something completely different than that. And it's not about what team they're on. It's not about what sport it is. It's about who they are as a person and trying to develop their personality and, and their grit. And you fall in love with them as an athlete, not as a basketball player, not as a soccer player. And you want to see them do well and what they're passionate about, it doesn't matter what sport it is. So when I worked with men and, women, men and women's basketball, I truly, I loved my athletes and I loved that what we did in the weight room gave them the opportunity to excel in what they were passionate about. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I think um, that, that's a big part of it. It's not just, um, hey, go lift that. You right. Know? <laughs> Um, and I also want to clarify, crew, for anybody that doesn't know, is um, rowing. That's, that's uh, out on the water in, uh, in those boats. And, and they have different, um, what do they have, uh, two, two person, four person, yeah. maybe eight or something yeah. um, boats. And I, actually, I used to, um, uh, when I was still at WVU, <clears throat> and um, I uh, was the strength coach for the co-ed team, which is, a, which is a club team. It's not technically part of WVU Athletics. Um, and they let me go out on the water once. How many 
boats did they need to hold you up? <laughs> well, I wasn't quite. I was. I think I was still two sixty five back then. Oh, a trim two sixty five. Yeah, a very, a very spelt two sixty five. Um, but but that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like stupid hard. The, and and, I think, I don't want to call it a boring sport. But like you watching the Olympics, there are more entertaining sports than watching people just sit in a boat mm-hmm. and row, right? Well, the problem is they make it look easy. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I, I think what's so incredible is looking at a a rower as an athlete, the amount of capacity that they have to have and the power that they have to have is unreal. Oh, Truly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like uh, I've been on the um, like the C two rowers. Yeah, and you think like they, spend a lot of time on them. They, they train on those, and you see the CrossFit people. They train on those, and and, and it it looks the same <laughs> <laughs> until you look at the computer screen. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and then you get on the boat, and you realize not at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not at all the same. Uh, that was one of the hardest. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine doing that. Like. Competitively, even looking at the the concept two rowers, the ergs, if you will, our fastest time in the gym rowing a two k is six thirty three. Okay. At which that athlete fell off the rower, and <laughs> I didn't see him for about three days. Absolutely devastating. I believe. The world record is sub 5.30. So I can't even wrap my mind around how good someone has to be at rowing to beat our best athlete by a minute in a race that took him six minutes and 30 seconds. I can't... It's one of those feats that, like, no matter what sport it is, like, I can see Eddie Hall, I can see um, someone do something in Strongman and appreciate it for what it is, I can watch someone row a 532K and just be in awe at what just happened. It just, <laughs> yeah. it, just it blows my mind. Uh, you saw, um, I can't remember what the distance was off the top of my head, but uh, Brian Shaw just broke some erg. Uh, it it, it was, it, I believe it was uh, 100 meters. And I think he did it in like 12.4 or 12.3. And I love watching that video because they have weights holding the rower down <laughs> yeah. for how powerful a stroke. It, unreal. And and I'd be lying if I told you I, after watching that, didn't try that. <laughs> yeah. He beat me. So I won't I won't tell you what my time was, but his time is real fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, he's Brian Shaw's at least four hundred pounds. I can't remember what his uh, exact weight is, and then he's like. Six eight. I'm weighing in at a at a poultry one seventy five. So I'm, I'm I mean pretty close mass wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's over double. Pretty weight. close. Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So he's got a lot going there. Um, but you're right. I think if they didn't put the weights on there, he'd have he'd have either done yeah. he'd have done a wheelie or that thing would have. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has enough power to bend the actual chassis. Of the rower, if it was not weighted down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Um, so after bodybuilding, mm-hmm. um, and you took uh, some time off from bodybuilding, um, leading into CrossFit, right? 
I mean, not not time off in the weight room, but right. compete, competition. Sure. Wise. There was a period yep. of time where you were just lifting, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you you kind of um, signed up for CrossFit, or how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the last show I competed in was in 2008 and it was a world level show okay. uh, that I had done a few years before a few years before I had won it and then I went back and I actually was in way better shape way better conditioning probably it, it was it was the no question not probably no question it was the best package that I ever brought to the stage I came in fifth in my weight class. As an athlete that puts everything that they have into something, it was super discouraging. Not because I felt that I was cheated. It, to me, the sport of bodybuilding has a lot to do with politics. Mm-hmm. And it's objective for whatever the judges want to look for that day. Yeah. I didn't know what to compete in after that because I hate one of the reasons I love track. You put five guys on the line, whoever gets to the finish line first is the fastest. Right. It's not someone defi- deciding that they're the fastest, they're the fastest. Yeah. So for me, that element wasn't in bodybuilding. Yeah. And it was so discouraging to put so much work into something. And my last show, I dieted for six months. I did not eat a cheat meal for six months. And I brought everything I had to the stage and I left it up to somebody else to decide my fate. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to compete in bodybuilding again <laughs> after that. Um, but at the time, it was 2008, 2009. I didn't know what there was. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> so at the time, I actually left WVU. I went to North Carolina for a little bit. Got into the world of personal training. All right. Yeah. Um, That wasn't for me. Um, Then I got into firefighting. Okay. And honestly, it was the first kind of... That was probably the first seed into CrossFit. Even though I didn't even know what CrossFit was, I knew that to be better at my job for my safety and the people the other firemen around me and then the people that we potentially would go save I knew that it wasn't about doing a bicep curl right it, 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 it wasn't about doing a set of 21s yeah um, I needed to be functional and yeah. it, it was I think for the first time in my life I realized to be better at what I needed to do what my profession was I needed to be essentially an industrial athlete yeah I started <laughs> trying to discover what that was I was that idiot that you would see I don't know if Anyone's ever seen this, but I would throw my air pack on and my mask on, start breathing air and go mountain biking. I wanted to see how long I could breathe under stress on a bottle of air. And then I wanted to see if I could design training programs that would increase how long I could breathe on that bottle of air and if they worked. So I wanted to see something measurable that was functional that I could apply to my job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't understand that I was doing CrossFit. (laughs) <laughs> so that was probably 2010 um, moved back up here uh, actually I moved to Michigan I worked at Barwitz Methods trained Olympic pro athletes up there 
did one Tough Mudder, an adventure race. I decided that that would be something fun to try. I enjoyed it. 12 miles is too long for a human being to run. So that did that once. Um, <laughs> uh, then I love competing, but I was floating around. Like I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, didn't, I knew bodybuilding was still an option, but like, but powerlifting, I, I didn't, my best friend convinced me to move back to Morgantown. And so I did. And I think he had to set up. One day we were over at his house. He turns on ESPN, the ESPN, if you will, and the CrossFit games were on. And he's looking at the TV and says, I want to do that. For everything that I knew in science and what training was supposed to be, I had the idea, I had the scope that I told him straight up, you're an idiot, you're dumb, you're going to get hurt, and I want nothing to do with that. A couple days later, he said, Jeff, I want to do CrossFit and I want you to train me. Nope. <laughs> I said, because again, everything that I knew in the world of strength conditioning, it, and for what was starting to come out on the social, social medias and the interwebs, was CrossFit's going to get you hurt. Yeah. And so that, I said, That's still being said. Yeah. Right. And the NSCA is currently being sued, uh, and two of their insurance companies have dropped them for fraudulent claims that they've made. In, in their periodicals about CrossFit. Mm -hmm. So it's still being said mainly because of that article that was fake. Right. And they interpreted their fake research wrong. But Does anybody still take the NSCA seriously? Great question. <laughs> Great question. Um, I still hold my CSCS. I don't know why. Because um, I don't feel like ever taking that test again, maybe. That's really, that's really it. But... Um, He did something, my friend did something that convinced me to train him. He said, Jeff, what are you doing right now for work? Nothing. I'll pay you to train me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> well, money talk. Right. So I guess it would be good to eat. So I do need money, right? Um, so I started training him and it was a little bit of the stuff that I did when I was a firefighter. I tried to apply it. Because at that point, CrossFit was still unknown. Like, right. you're training for the unknowable. Um, and it was my first kind of exposure wasn't being an athlete, it was being a coach. And unknowingly, he signed me up for the West Virginia CrossFit State Championships. So my first taste of CrossFit was doing something I love to do, it was competing. Yeah. And <laughs> you, had to you had to qualify for the state finals. And I qualified, they took 32 athletes. I qualified in the 32nd spot. And I went to the one day state final and I came in 22nd. As, an, as a lifelong athlete, it was really tough for me to swallow that I was, that there were 21 people in the state of West Virginia, the 46th sickest state in the country, that were, <laughs> that, that were more fit than I was. Right. <laughs> and. So then my best friend decided to open up CrossFit Morgantown. Okay. He decided that it'd be, he's an endodontist. He's, he wanted a place to do CrossFit in Morgantown. He decided, might as well open a gym. I, I guess that's what people, what money, that's what they do. They, they, they open <laughs> things. Um, luckily, I had a key. So I would come at off hours as to not be a CrossFitter. And I still do my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cross in secret, like. right? It, he had barbells and bumper plates, right? Um, 
So I showed up on off hours. I wasn't part of the community and uh, I lifted and then I did another CrossFit competition. I didn't win it, but maybe I did better. I don't, I don't know. Then about eight months into CrossFit, I did another one. This one started out with a one rep max squat. Oh, there you go. I was like, meathead central, here we come. Like, you don't even have to be a CrossFitter. Like, and then it had an axle bar workout after that. I was like, sign me up. After three workouts, I was, in fir- I was tied for first place going into the finals. The finals had double unders, which for those that don't know, it's a jump rope movement where you jump once and the rope spins around you twice. Mm-hmm. In the eight months that I had done CrossFit, I hadn't learned double unders. They took six people to the finals. I came in sixth, as you do. <laughs> I was the one like they were clapping for at the end. They're like, oh, keep going. You're a horrible athlete. Um, and so I came, in, yeah, I, I came in sixth. I, the time cap, I think, in the final was 12 minutes, and I did it in like 11.52 or something like that. And that knocked me from first to third. That was, a, that was a tough pill for me to swallow. And then that's actually what it was. I understood that I, as a human being, I hate losing. And I understood that at that time, I either had to figure out how to get good at the sport of CrossFit, which means essentially what I understand that is now is I had to get fitter. Yeah. Or I had to find something else because I couldn't accept being mediocre at anything. Yeah. I needed to dig in to, to my human potential and get to the highest level, whatever that was, at anything that I'm doing. So for me, I got into CrossFit on competition. Cool. I mean, that's as good a reason as any, right? Right. <laughs> right. Stand in front of a barbell and say, I am. Yeah. Um, so uh, what are you doing now with it? I mean, you... you uh, you own the joint now. Um, yeah. Um, the way the way I uh, fell into that is there I was, sleeping on my friend's couch. <laughs> uh, again, for those following along at home, I spent a year and a half of my life sleeping on Jerry Hanley's couch. Jay Hanley, if you know him as Jay, who owns Viking now. And um, Jay and John, the Viking, were roommates. So I spent a year, year and a half of my life sleeping on their couch with my 90-pound pit bull. Um, it, a, 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 about, about 10 months into that venture, my best friend, Kent McBride, said, Jeff, I want you – my iron's in a lot of fires. I want to sell CrossFit Morgantown, and I want you to buy it from me. Nope. Same answer I gave him when he wanted me to do cross from the beginning. I said, nope. Like, I'm sleeping on my friend's couch. Like, how am I supposed to own a business? Yeah. Um, and I think he roofied my drink because three days later, uh, I said yes. It was actually something his wife said to me. Um, and it, it goes to that competitive spirit again. Sarah McBride said, I mean, Jeff, what else are you doing with your life? I went, oh, I'll show you what I'm doing with my life. I will buy that shit. <laughs> <laughs> So testosterone's a hell of yeah, a drug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was actually today's what July fifth. I signed the paper four years ago, July first. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I went on a my first date with my now wife on July twelfth. So she went on a date with basically. I think I, I might have just moved off of your couch. Um, and she's like, "So what do you do?" I was like, "I own a gym." She's like, "How long have you been that?" I was like, "About a week now." <laughs> Cool. So she stuck with me, turns out. Um, 
So since then, kind of the evolution was trying to figure out how to own a business, how to train athletes, and how to continue to be an athlete myself. Um, and as I mentioned a little earlier, West Virginia, when you look at all the statistics, is the 46, the way they print it is the 46th unhealthiest state. Mm-hmm. I internalize that as, I think unhealthy is too kind of a word. I internalize that as we are the 46th sickest state in the country. That's probably a fair, a fair judgment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what I look at in owning a CrossFit gym, so many, so before CrossFit was kind of given to the masses, CEO and founder Greg Glassman basically went on a quest to see if any organization had defined fitness. And this leads into the battle with the NSCA because the leader at the time was the NSCA. Mm -hmm. He wanted to know if they had a working definition of what fitness was. Outside of Webster's definition, which is the act of being fit, which tells us nothing. (laughs) Right. Um, And... Isn't, yeah. that, isn't there a rule about using the word in the definition? Right. You, you, you would think Webster would have found that out. Um, so Greg Glassman went on a quest, and what he found is the leading organization, the NSCA, hadn't defined it. So his argument with that was if you don't define something, how can you measure if it's improving? Right. Right? Like, let's say, and, and Greg Glassman uses this example. Let's say we're going to go count the rabbits in Morgantown. And I don't define to you what a rabbit is. You might go count frogs. And I might go go count Arby's and come back. We put a number on the wall. We didn't measure anything because no one defined what a rabbit is. Right. So until you define what something is, how can you say if something right. is effective? You can't. So Greg Glassman came up with the working definition, CrossFit's definition of fitness. Okay. And here's why I think it applies to so much of what you do and why I look at myself as a crossover athlete between CrossFit and, and strongman. I think it's one of the same. The definition of CrossFit, the definition of, of fitness is increased work capacity over broad time and modal domains. It's pretty vague, but... But it's something. But breaking that down means move heavy stuff long distances fast right that applies that applies directly to strongmen mm-hmm. there's that 300 pound rock on the ground can you lift it over this yoke that's 52 inches yeah you can I can <laughs> okay um, so then that applies to we look at CrossFit in a couple di- different ideas that we want our strength to be functional. So after increased work capacity over broad time and mobile domains, how do we do that? How do we achieve that definition? How do we get to there? And we do it by constantly varied functional movements done in a high intensity. Mm-hmm. So again, looking at strongman events, <clears throat> most of your events are 60 seconds in duration. Yeah. There's your high intensity, right? Um, constantly varies. Wait, that, wait, that's not cardio? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> and we, we want that because that high intensity gives us power, right? 
constantly varied. And strong men, sometimes you're lifting a stone, sometimes you're lifting a log. Mm -hmm. It's still lifting something. Right. right. Um, so it's constantly varied. And then functional movements, there is no better way to move a heavy object a long distance fast than a functional movement. A bicep curl ain't gonna do it. And so when Greg Glassman developed all this, he didn't invent the clean. He didn't invent the snatch. Right. He was the first one to kind of put together mixed modality training where, all right, we're gonna do conventional cardio. We're gonna go run an 800 and then we're gonna do 10 clean and jerks and then we're gonna do eight bar muscle ups. Think about the capacity that you need across different domains to be able to achieve that. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that, I mean, that's impressive. I think, and definitely people were doing, maybe sure. maybe not muscle ups, because that's kind of, not even people, before CrossFit, you wouldn't even know what that was. Right. <laughs> you know, it's the gym. way you started gymnastics with on rings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, people were doing that um, beforehand, just not uh, measuring it, and uh, sure. it wasn't as common, yeah. you know, it wasn't as mainstream. There were, there were a few people out there, I think, hiding and mm -hmm. doing similar stuff. And the idea of CrossFit, the, the more I research, the more I, I look into old journal articles, CrossFit considers itself a strength conditioning program. A lot of the people in the strength world wouldn't consider it a strength conditioning program. But it 100% is. And I believe it's a core strength conditioning program where we want to increase... GPP, General Physical Preparedness. Mm -hmm. It is my understanding and my belief, and it's not it's, its not the way I understood strength conditioning years ago. It's because I looked at something through a very narrow scope. The way I understand strength conditioning now is I would be willing to say I can increase your strong manning by increasing your level of GPP. You are only going to be as fit as your lowest common denominator. Right. So if I can raise your level of gymnastics, you're gonna and, and the way we the way we describe the gymnastics isn't the way the Olympics does. We describe it as basically kinesthetic awareness, understanding where your body is in space and time. Yeah. yeah. If I can increase your level of gymnastics, you're gonna be able to lift a rock better because you're gonna understand different lengths and tensions and dimensions outside of just lifting that rock. Right. Um, so I think I would actually be a better strength coach now in the NCAA knowing what CrossFit has given me the ability to learn. Cool. Um, so CrossFit gets a lot of, uh, a lot of heat. You don't from, say. <laughs> from, and not so much from, from the average lifter, like the average gym goer. I think the average gym goer doesn't, doesn't have this, um, this negative outlook. Sure. I think it's like other sports, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe you could look at it as like, I don't look at it this way, but like competitive, like competing sports, like, mm -hmm. like for some reason, like powerlifters don't like CrossFitters because they think they're going to like steal all their athletes or something. I, I don't really know what, yep. the, why there's like this hatred there, but we're like even Olympic lifting, <clears throat> although they seem to be the, mo the most friendly with sure. the CrossFitters and um, the strongmen or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll ask you some of the questions that I see or hear I that people it. are like, um, you know, they really have this bad attitude about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty neutral on the whole thing. Be before you even go down that rabbit hole, here's something that I think not a lot of people look at. Can you tell me what the largest watched and attended Olympic weightlifting event has ever been? 
tell you, it probably wasn't in the last 20 years. <laughs> it's probably in like the probably 1972 or something, maybe. Right. Or? It was at the CrossFit Games four years ago. <laughs> they had at the CrossFit Games they had a one rep max clean and jerk. They had different platforms, and you can choose an opening weight, and then you went up from there. Uh, Lucas Parker, the guy from Canada, big red beard. Of course, the guy with the beard would win it. Um, that was the largest watched Olympic lifting event ever to that date. So here's what not, not a lot of people understand. Men's gymnastics was a dying sport before CrossFit. How many people were, were excited about powerlifting? How many people were doing these other things? So essentially, people had this idea where really CrossFit is almost like a gateway drug yeah. to all these other, it's a feeder to all, because Hannah the Viking, uh, Hannah the Destroyer rather, her whole movement is about empowering women to put a barbell in their hand, mm-hmm. right? CrossFit does that. Right. And then once they touch a barbell, they're ex- how much can they deadlift? And then all of a sudden, then they're doing a powerlifting competition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, you see that a lot. You do see a lot of them. Um, they'll, they'll spring out into other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it would, I think, the in a way, the CrossFitters are kind of more open-minded because you see more CrossFitters doing strongman and powerlifting than you see strongman or powerlifters doing going the other way. Do you owe me a competition, by the way? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah I, I do owe you one one competition. Yes, and I always cashed in on that. You did. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask mm-hmm. was, uh, and, and and there's a lot of debate on this stuff, but so something like a deadlift, right? Um, and, and again, arguably, but a deadlift uh, can be one of those things that you don't have to do very often sure. and get better at it. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you get stronger, right? You can come back and deadlift. Now we could argue all day as to if I had been doing it, would it have got stronger more? Sure. But the, but the, at the end of the day, it'll go up mm-hmm. if I get stronger. If my squat goes up, if my overhead press mm-hmm. goes up, whatever, it'll go up. Um, the same usually can't be said for some other movements, like a snatch or, uh, you know, especially the more technical movements. And there's probably some in the middle there, uh, maybe like a front squat or something. Just because my deadlift went up doesn't mean my front squat goes up, sure. right? Um, so how does CrossFit deal with that, with it being so random and uh, the period of time one might go without mm-hmm. having done those particular movements that, that need the attention? Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Very multifaceted question, and even, <laughs> even as you were finishing it, my brain went in 10,000 possible answers. Okay. I'll address this first. One word you used was random, mm-hmm. and to an outsider, programming in CrossFit absolutely looks random, mm-hmm. no question. It's constantly varied, it's not constantly randomized. At night when I'm programming for the gym, I don't put like movements in, in, in a lottery hopper and go, eh, looks like we're doing this today. <laughs> um, so it's not random. Just like training in strongman, we're driving towards a stimulus. Okay. We're driving towards an end result. We believe there, we believe that end result can be achieved by increasing GPP. Right. We, we look at 10 physical skills, right? Uh, I forget the physical therapist's name. He came up with this. Um, Endurance, stamina, strength, speed, coordination, agility, balance, mobility, 
Uh, the other two aren't coming to my head right now. But what we want to do is we believe that a snatch, how many of those 10 physical skills does a snatch address? Right. How many does running address? So if we keep raising, if, if we can get an athlete to maximize their, their 10 physical skills, whether you're snatching every day or not, if I, increase, if, if I can increase your coordination through doing wall balls, your coordination, your timing is going to be better, your snatch is automatically going to go up. No okay. question. Um, and here's something super interesting where my mind goes when we talk about this. A classic, classic benchmark workout, Diane. 21.59, deadlifts at 2.25, and handstand push-ups. Some of the fastest times in the world are like south of two minutes. Stupid, stupid. Here's where my brain goes. If I pick up 225 once, I've deadlifted 600 pounds in my life. 225 is a mere fraction of that, right? What, how much strain am I putting on my body on my 43rd deadlift? It's not still 225. No. Because now I've jacked up intensity, right? right? So I'm trying to do this as fast as possible. So it doesn't feel like 225 anymore. No. It, it might like- feel 315, 365, right? Right. So I'm able to train to get that stimulus without putting that weight on the bar. Right. My body doesn't know. It, your body doesn't know if there's 500 pounds on a bar. It knows what 500 pounds feels like. Right. So if, if I can make 225 in my 50th rep feel like 500 pounds, you're still getting that adaptation. Right. Right? Yeah, seemingly, yeah. 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 I mean, I haven't done that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I don't know that I want to. Right. Right. But yeah. Um, there was a there was a workout in the CrossFit Open this year that had Diane twenty one fifty nine deadlifts handstand pushups into bar goes to three fifteen and it's twenty one fifteen nine on deadlifts and handstand walks in between. Okay. All right. I love handstand pushups. I love handstand walks. Love deadlifting. John, I cannot explain to you. I've done 365 for 20 reps before. I cannot explain to you what 315 felt like after 45 reps at 225. <laughs> it did not feel like 315. No, sir. It I crushed know. my ever living soul. <laughs> um, but my body didn't know it was 315. Right. It knew that it was super flipping heavy. Right, right, right. I can see that. Um, but there's got to be sure. a, there's got to be a, uh, and this is the argument you're going to hear. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got to, there's got to be like a, uh, a tipping point to that, right? Like, let's say I just take an empty bar mm-hmm. and I literally do 1 million reps. Sure. <laughs> at, at, you know, 900,000th rep is going to mm-hmm. feel really heavy. But I don't think I would get the training effect of even if it felt like 500 pounds. There's got to be like some area there where it's still beneficial, Mm -hmm. at least strength-wise. So just like any any strength conditioning program, we have light days and met pounds. We have speed days Mm -hmm. and weightlifting. Um, We have moderate days. And then we have heavy days. We have heavy met pounds that are going to be slower. So it all comes down to, we look at that power curve, right? Mm-hmm. Shorter duration, higher power, lo- longer duration, lower power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, cre- we create that in CrossFit. 
I can create a, a rep scheme that might be 963 with a heavy deadlift that's right. going to give me that training effect. And it's not the 2159 or right, right, right. So I can vary that depending on where we are in the training cycle, where you prepare for certain competitions, right? Mm-hmm. Try, well, try. I mean, right, right. <laughs> and in those competitions, sometimes you know what the test is, sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. As we prepare for the CrossFit Open, which happens every late February, early March, there's been six years or seven years of the Open now. Yeah. You have a pretty good idea of what those tests look like. I make our programming bias to what those tests are going to be. Right. We know that they're, they're probably going to work most of the time for 12 to 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a test of work capacity mm-hmm. and lower skilled stuff. So the programming that I write two to three months up into that yeah. reflects what we're doing there. Okay. So now when we come out of that, my programming is strength bias because I want to be able to get our strength back because what we want to create is an athlete that is totally capable. Okay. And yeah. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people don't understand that. So when you're looking at um, powerlifting especially, mm-hmm. it, it's all about these numbers, right? I mean even it's even gotten to the point where powerlifters aren't concerned about actually being strong, they're concerned about a number. Yeah. And, and that sounds like that's the same thing, but it, it's mm-hmm. really not. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and guys like uh, Jim Windler point this out. That's why he started five three one was because he was like, you know, I could squat, deadlift, and a red press, but I couldn't do anything. Right. Else. Or bench press, he couldn't yeah. do anything else. Um, I think it's hard for some of these athletes because it is so numbers oriented. Even strongman is getting to that mm-hmm. point um, to look at CrossFit and say, you know, in a way, they don't really care how much they can snatch as long as their fitness level went as long as they got faster here and here and mm-hmm. here, and then the snatch will go up, but maybe not today. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that since that's not, there's, you can't slap a number on that. I can't say Jeff is a 450 fitness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's, Absolutely, yeah. there's no way to do that. And I think a lot of these number oriented um, strength sports, that, that's what they run mm-hmm. into because they're like, well, how much can you right. bench press? And you're like, well, this much, but it, it's, easy to measure once you define what fitness is yeah but it's hard to quantify outside of that realm yeah you, it's yeah. hard to put a number to it yeah and all these people want a number yeah and it's like maybe i just want to be a better person or a better right. athlete or, right you know um it is very challenging going back to increasing your your gpp and looking at those 10 physical skills in crossfit we have certain benchmark workouts they come from .com, they come from like the beginning of CrossFit. And what's interesting is there was an article written about, I think it was 2003 or 2004, tests, five tests, and if you scored 20 points in each one, like it was, a, it was a prong system, if you scored 20 points in each one, or your score was like 18 or above, you can consider yourself one of the fittest human beings in the world. One of the tests was a one rep max deadlift directly into max strict handstand push-ups. To maximize that test, to get 20 points in that test, you need to deadlift 600 pounds mm-hmm. and do 42 strict handstand push-ups. You can do this, right? I do not score 20 points on that <laughs> test. <laughs> um, it, 
It is. What we, we, we look at those benchmarks and, and we gauge our fitness against those benchmarks. One of the benchmarks being Cindy, it, it's five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. The gold standard is, can you get one round a minute? So let's say you do it on day one and you get three rounds. And like, how much do you weigh? Uh, 340. Right, 340. Body weight on your pull-ups, and it, it, it's going to hurt. You, you doing an air squat at 340, me doing an air squat at 175 is a little different. So let's say you train for six months. Six months later, you, you do nine rounds. Apples to apples, right? Right. We, we can compare that. Does that make your snatch go up? It does because that's not the only thing we were focusing on. You were also doing Olympic barbell movements. Right. And... The sum total is always going to be stronger than the parts. If I can get you better at Cindy, I can guarantee you that your snatch is going to go up. And there's a lot of thought that goes into this too. I'm 38 years old. My numbers are better at 38. My strength numbers are better at 38 than they were when I was 19 and ran track and field. Am I better at track and field? Absolutely not because I don't throw javelin four days a week. Right. I, I don't try and pull vault, right? It's not that sports-specific training that, that, again, goes back to the beginning of the conversation. I am a better athlete all around at 38, which is a not, it doesn't make sense. My numbers still shouldn't go up. I, I compete in, in stuff that Jerry has up at Viking. I'm almost a math, master's strongman and almost a master's powerlifter, and I'm still competing against younger people and holding my own, mm-hmm. and this is the only training that I do. Yeah, and I don't think anybody can, anybody can dispute that at all. Uh, I've seen, I've seen, you've done at least one, two powerlifting meets, mm-hmm. right? And then, did you do the Iron Herjar that year? With the uh, super total? Yep. And then uh, team championship, strongman mm-hmm. team championship several times, mm-hmm. and uh, never a bad showing. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and and we break things modality wise. We have. Uh, weightlifting, which is basically anything with an external load. Mm-hmm. Wall balls even fall under weightlifting. But, um, and then we have gymnastics, which is basically your body in space and time. Uh, and then we have general, general cardio. Um, I can tell you that if I was able to do 30 strict handstand push-ups mm-hmm. and I got to a fitness level that I can do 40 strict handstand push-ups, I am going to be far better pressing the Mauser block above my head. Oh, for sure. Because my shoulders are stronger. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that people um, fail to realize too is because because people like the NSCA like to break everything into these little, well, this is aerobic and this, sure. is, and this is strength yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is endurance. I love what I saying, yeah. Blah. Well, endurance work still makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make you on the, at the same rate of progression, does it make you as strong as like doing five by five? Right. No, but you still get stronger. If you can do, like you said, 30 handstand pushups in one one go, mm-hmm. and, and, and then you can do 40, you clearly got stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, now, would, would it have been as much so as if you like wore some kind of weight vest and did five by five? Maybe not, but you definitely, there's still a progression there. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of people... They don't appreciate that as much, you know. And then uh, a lot of people in those sports too, they're just so opposed to doing anything that resembles endurance or right. cardio. What, what's super interesting about programming for CrossFit and, and 
and this isn't something that I understood until recently. So, so I understand it makes sense to me why people don't understand it because even being in an owner gym, I, I don't think I truly understood this until maybe the last 18 months. If Cindy, we'll go back to Cindy, 20 minute workout. Mm -hmm. We define that as aerobic, right? You need oxygen for 20 minutes. Right. But when you break it down, it's five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. In a muscular sense, it is an anaerobic workout with a strong aerobic flavor for the length of time. But since we're changing modalities and we're changing movements, mm -hmm. go back to Diane, 21.59. It's gymnastics and weightlifting, right? Right. It takes me 23 seconds to get through the deadlifts. That's it, moving, by the right, way. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so we're developing speed too, right? Um, it's weightlifting that I add in that gymnastics. It, here's where I came to the understanding 18 months ago. We're all doing the same thing. We're talking about it in different terms. Yeah. Cardio isn't running a 5K. It, it is, but that's not the way we do but it. But it doesn't have to Yes, 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 right. yeah, yeah. It, it's every, just what you said with the NSTA. We're not putting things in blocks. I can do a, a, a workout with a barbell in my hand. This is a CrossFit.com workout from about a year ago. AMRAP 45. Dear God, that's long. 800 meters, you come in, you deadlift 315 10 times, and you do 50 sit-ups. The 315, in that sense, how many rounds are you getting, right? Because you're running that 800, which could take... You're talking about me? I get one. <laughs> <laughs> one round. <laughs> so, so it, in the weightlifting sense, it's anaerobic for every time you get to that barbell. Right. But it's an aerobic workout because it's a 45-minute AMRAP. Right. It's a system within a system. Yeah. I think, too, that something that people don't understand um, a lot of this with, and I deal with this when I train um, like MMA people or mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu people or whatever, um, the workout isn't working the same system for different people. Correct. So let's take uh, like, a, like a fight gone bad type yeah. uh, thing. <clears throat> so there's a, is that, that's a five-minute round with a one-minute break, and mm -hmm. the rounds change every whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in good enough shape during the break and your resting heart rate drops all the way, you're only really doing like five minutes. So that's still... Um, like the glycolytic system. Sure. Right? You haven't even went into a group. And, and, and taking that a step further, there's actually a, a YouTube video from Greg Glassman talking about Fight Gone Bad. Yes, it, it's a five-minute round, one-minute rest, five-minute round, one-minute rest, five-minute round. So it's 15 minutes of total work mm -hmm. time. But because you're switching movements every minute, right? just when you get to that tipping point where your body's going to need a rest, you switch movements where you're going from wall balls yeah. to sumo deadlift hot pull. So you're working the system differently where you're getting the aerobic taxing because of the volume of air that you need, mm -hmm. but the musculature is different in each one of those movements. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you're even working the muscles different. Yes. But like for me, if I did fight gone bad, it would be very aerobic because I would not recover in the middle. Sure, sure. <laughs> but if you could get somebody, and this would be a pretty high level person, to, to where their resting heart rate was back to complete resting, sure. Every round would almost be a new workout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you could get people where maybe it, it hits bottom on the first round and maybe the second round, but the third round, maybe mm -hmm. it's still elevated. So right. now rounds three, four, and five, 
is aerobic, but rounds one and two are not. Absolutely, yeah. So it really depends on on the person and um, uh, their capabilities. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these workouts on what and, you're working. And what I love is if you look at a true sense of crossing, if you look at the benchmark workouts, there's one that's called Barbara. 20 pull-ups, 30 push-ups, 40 sit-ups, 50 air squats. For five rounds, good bit of volume. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, for five rounds, with a three-minute break after each round. Okay. So again, we're talking about recovery, right? The goal of that workout is to have three-minute rounds and three-minute rest. So it, it's drawn, it, it's written to be a true one-to-one. Mm-hmm. And as your time slips, it becomes more aerobic. Yeah, yeah. And you're measuring how quickly your body can recover from what you just put it through. So what's so interesting is Greg Glassman was able to develop this system. And we could talk about the power curve. We can talk about, I mean, we can talk about actinomyosin. We can thir- talk about third wave adaptation. We can talk about as much science as we want. As we want. That's not. He, he figured <laughs> it out by just using simple movements. And Fight Gone Bad was designed to be 300 reps. That's a gold standard. Yeah. Get 300 reps and you're really good at, at, at that aspect of fitness. Right. Um, what they started doing in the Open this year, there was one test that it was, uh, you had 50 pound dumbbells. You had 50 pound dumbbells. You put them on your shoulders and you did one squat. Then you put them down and you did a bar over burpee. And you went one, one, two, two, three, three, four, four, all the way up to 10. It was 55 reps of each. My time in that, I did it twice. My time in that for the first one was 5.16. The second time was 4.46. So there was a 30 second difference in my time. After that, you were asked to find a one rep max clean. At my slower time, I found my one rep max clean and it was 2.85. Technically I missed 300. That was a form breakdown and had nothing to do with anything else. So I did that workout in 516 and cleaned 285. I went back on Monday and did it again. I took 30 seconds off my time. Wow. I did it in 446. I only cleaned 255. (laughs) That 30 seconds more of being anaerobic. Yeah, yeah. Directly impacted my recovery rate because when I I opened up 255, John, it just about knocked me over. <laughs> and there was only a 30 second difference. My yeah, body yeah, yeah. could not recover yeah. by, go, by going that much harder. So it, I think it's really interesting because there is animosity between powerlifting and this and that. We're all talking about the same thing. We might be using different terms or different workouts to chase that, that stimulus, that effect, but we're all doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, I think it's all, it's just, a lot of jealousy and, and weirdness and just mm-hmm. whatever. But I think if we, you know, if you get somebody that's open-minded, they're going to make a lot right. more progress in their, um, in, in all around, in mm-hmm. all, all modalities, all sports and all that. I, I go back to blood sport. I saw it when I was seven. Thank God I did. And uh, Frank Dutz's Shidoshi told him never, com- never to commit to one style. And that's honestly what I've done in my training my entire life. The reason I do strongman, the, the, because I don't want to be just a powerlifter. I don't want. I want to be able to, to do all those different things. Yeah. So when the zombie apocalypse comes, I, I survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I think that's how we all get started, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hey, it's been great. I'm gonna have to run. I gotta train some people. Actually, um, run. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> walk, walk slowly. Um, but it's been great having you. We'll definitely have you back on here again. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow Jeff at um, CrossFit Morgantown. I believe they're on Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Twitter. Um, check out the website. Mm-hmm. Jeff uh, Jeff owns the joint, so get a hold of him. He's easy to reach. And um, yeah, get your get your CrossFit on. And uh, maybe. And we've talked about this for a while. I know Paul's talked about it. Maybe we get you, Paul, a couple other strongman powerlifters, and we do a workout. And we film it and make it available to your subscribers. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Get strong or die.